Welcome to the Rock Hill Dream Center Church, where we have a vision to see communities transformed by the gospel as we love, serve, share, and send. Thank you for joining us. Isn't he so good? Just go ahead and look at somebody and just tell them how good they look today. You look, just say, you look good. You look good. That's what we have to do. Y'all look good. Look at that good-looking family. You look good. Amen, amen. I got people going across the aisle telling people they look good. Look at this good-looking family coming in. We got good look. Hey, you know what? They, um... <laughs> we got the recovering group over here shouting it out. <laughs> He's rebuking it. Right now, man, but isn't it fun to laugh? Because Jesus gives us the ability to laugh. We don't have to take ourselves so seriously. You come to this church long enough, you'll be like, okay, I got a sense of humor. God definitely got a sense of humor. Amen? Amen? Isn't he good? Hey, golly, I'm telling you, I'm just too excited to preach right now. We're going to be going into week number three of um, the wandering or wanderers. So it's exciting to understand that this week we're going to be talking about what happens when you get doubt. Doubt. Everybody just say doubt. Doubt. Has anyone ever experienced like really stressful doubt in their life? Hey, Christian, yeah, me and you, buddy. I remember being in high school about 30-something years ago. And um, you take these tests. And you were just, you, that's where I learned to pray. <laughs> and then that's where I learned that faith without actions is dead also. Because I wouldn't study and I would just pray that I would get a good mark on this test. And I didn't put any of the work in. And I was like, man, I doubt I passed. I doubt I'd made a 90. Or, and then I would get excited about making a 70. Um, <laughs> don't, laugh. don't laugh. If you're laughing, you've been there. Amen. So, so we, and, and then, you know, lo and behold, you know, we have the college um, group that comes in. And then when I found out my daughter was walking me around campus and she was telling me how, I didn't know how college worked. I thought we were giving all this money for the professors to actually teach our children. But she's like, no, dad, they write grants. I have to get all this information and do these marks myself. I'm like, well, why am I paying them to write grants? I doubt I'm going to be able to afford this next year knowing that they're not going to be able to teach you. But so you find out school and you learn that doubt's real. And then maybe it kind of carries on into relationships. And then you, you see somebody like Barbara and it's like, man, I doubt she could ever love anybody like me. And then like, lo and behold, God, God is real. He lets a woman like that love me and and then we kind of get to a place in our life where we're feeling really alone and we're broken and, and we've made all of these mistakes and, and, we, and, we, and all we can do is think about all of the many mistakes that we've made. And then you say those words one day. Maybe there is a God, but I doubt he could ever love anybody like me. I don't know if y'all have ever said those words, but... That's, you know, it made me think of the scripture this morning. I was laying there just thinking through this. It's not in my notes, but, you know, where it says that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. 
where God sent his son Jesus to die for us, to be able to rescue us from our, our, our brokenness and our doubt. And then we hear these whispers in our ear, oh, he can't love you. You're too messed up. And it affirms that doubt. So today we're going to be talking about doubt and even more than that, but seeds of doubt. Seeds of doubt because, man, it's bad when you get a seed of doubt because that seed of doubt will be kind of um, planted in you and it may not come up and produce a plant or a fruit for two or three or four years. I know that sometimes... Um, and, and look, we probably all have had the experiences on some, some level or another, um, talking about school, talking about parenting. The words that we speak over our children can plant seeds of fruit or seeds of doubt. You know, I, I remember t- my, um, my economics teacher in the 11th grade, I, I was a subject I was interested in, and I think I'd made a 96 or a 97. And she stood me up in front of the entire class and accused me of cheating she said, you're just not smart enough to make a 96. You laughed, dude. That was a bad feeling in front of 30 people of your peers. And, and I'm like, well, I'm not going to say her name. I'm like, well, you finally taught something that was interesting. I had a sharp tongue. I would shoot back. But there was a seed of doubt that was planted in my life in the 11th grade. So that I, I was afraid to speak in front of people because I was so afraid that people would judge me on how I spoke and how I talked and I couldn't remember things well. And the enemy about had me convinced that I never could pastor. Look where you're at now, man. Hey, God, glory to God. It's not about me. Well, God is good. Hey, I love this church. But, but I'm not saying that because anything that I've done, but it's, how, it's how what God can do in me and he, what he can do in you. Because God says, I'll take what the world says can't be used and I'll use it. You don't have to listen to the doubt. You don't have to be a product of the seed of doubt. So if you have your scriptures and you want to open it up, it could be Deuteronomy, still in chapter one. We're going to be, well, we're going into our third week and still, we hadn't even made it out of chapter one. But um, as we read through this, we got to still understand that this is Moses speaking of a history lesson. So he's telling this newer generation of Israel what the preceding, what the other generation did wrong. So understand when we're talking through the the scriptures here, it's a history lesson. And it's important for us to know that because it'll mess with your head and how he speaks and what the scriptures say. Just know that we're going to reference back to the book of Numbers 2 today to understand that... um, It'll be present time, but then we'll also be talking about in history. So I just wanted to kind of lay that out to begin with. So when I get to preaching, if I get really excited, I want you to understand what God's trying to teach us. But before we get started, can we pray and ask the Holy Spirit to open up our eyes and our hearts to his word? Will we do that together? God, we come to you and we just humbly sit at your feet. Lord, let your word be enough. Let it challenge us. Let it lift us up and build us. But most of all, God, let it glorify you and who you are. You are so mighty. You are so wonderful. So Holy Spirit, come and teach us today. Every word that would be spoken would be from you, Lord. And we thank you, God, for loving us first. And it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. 
Amen. Okay, so let's get started. Let's jump right in and have a good time. So we're going to go to Deuteronomy chapter 1. We're going to be reading 21 through 23 here. And I'll catch you up on a little bit of the context. But I'm going to read this first because it's going to be talking about, I, I kind of wrote before that, the lack of faith of the leadership led to the lack of faith of the people. And so as I'm reading this, kind of thinking, look for that. It says, look. He has placed the land in front of you. Go and occupy it as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. But you all come to me and said, first, let's send out scouts to explore the land for us. They will advise us on the best route to take in which towns we should enter. This seemed like a good idea to me, so I chose 12 scouts, one from each of your tribes. So we're understanding that, that Moses is telling the history lesson when they were going to send out the, they wanted to send out scouts to take this land that God had promised them, the promised land. And, and there's a few pieces in this scripture right here that we need to take notice of. Notice first, God did not appoint those 12 men. God did not appoint those 12 scouts. People did. That's huge. You've got to catch that. You've got to understand that because that, that's relevant to how we live our lives. When God appoints something, it can't be shaken. It can't be moved. When man appoints something, it'll always fall eventually. Think about that. So Moses, 12, he chose 12 scouts. The second part that you're going to read in that, it says, God said to occupy the land. There's nowhere in that scripture where God says, go and scout this land out. See, God had already scouted the land out that he had chosen and to give to the Israelites. But there was a trust issue. There was some doubt. There was a seed of doubt. So they, not trusting God, chose that they better take things into their own hands and send out 12 scouts. Moses also had the unique opportunity to lead in this moment, and he missed it. See, because the people came to Moses, since all of the people came to Moses and said, I think we need to go and check this out. You know, there's probably some bad stuff over here. We need to look for the, we can't send all these people here into this area without us first checking it out. Isn't that kind of what you hear from men all the time? Well, we better go, especially men, we better go check it out. <laughs> that makes us feel good about ourselves. We're like, let me go in first, baby. <laughs> hey, now look, I ain't going to try to throw too many stones, but nowadays it'd be like the guy be like, honey, you might have gone in there. <laughs> I'm sorry if you're young. You, you tougher than me. <laughs> oh, but Moses had an opportunity to set things straight there, and he missed it. And see, Moses knew this. When he was speaking in Deuteronomy, he had already been told by God that you won't walk into this promised land. But Moses loved God so much that he wanted the next generation to get it right. Amen. And listening to the voices of the people drowned out the voice of God. Listening to the voices of people drowned out the single voice of God. God is one voice, three in one. When he speaks, there is nothing you can do. 
Man, you can try to run from it. You can try to get away. But his voice speaks. And the cool thing is, he loves you so much, he's pursuing you. And if you hear all these voices of the world and all the confusion right now, sit still and know that he is God. He's speaking. Take all the confusion away and let him speak to you. So this leads me into our next piece of scripture. It says, altering from God's plan opened the door for fear and more doubt. See, when we alter that plan, we now give an opportunity for fear to grow and doubt to come in. So let's look at Numbers chapter 13. Now we're going into live action. This is live. This isn't past tense. We're going to be speaking about it in Numbers when it was actually happening. They're going to be talking about the, the present time. So no, Numbers 13, 30 through 33, it says, But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. See, the surroundings took the people's eyes off of the Lord. Sometimes the journey is so intimidating to people, especially the believers. I'm talking right now to the believers. If you've confessed that Jesus is Lord, you're on a journey. And that journey gets so stressful and so overwhelming. If we're not careful, we will start looking at our surroundings and it will draw our eyes off of the Lord. Amen. It can happen. And this is what was happening to the Israelites. Secondly, I jotted down. They viewed themselves as inadequate comparing themselves to their surroundings. It's that sometimes as children of God that we walk up to something and if we can do it in our own strength, we'd be like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a child of God. I can do this. And in all actuality, we're doing it in our own strength. But what happens, church? Oh, boy, here we go. It's fixing to happen. What happens when we walk up to a situation or something that God's called us to do? And there is absolutely no way you can do it on your own. Do you walk up to that situation and say, here I am, Lord. I'm yours to be used. I am a child of God. Or do we say, hey, I better send out some scouts. I need to go see if I can raise some money. I better go ahead and just figure some things out. Or do we step because God said to go? I have given you something that I said for you to do. Now go. No, but sadly, many times people spend most of their gifts that God has given them for 20, 30, 40, 50 years roaming around looking for someone that will go with them when God's actually said, I'm sending someone with you. It's called the Holy Spirit. Now go. Go. 
And God saw the people of Israel as worthy. God saw the people of Israel worthy. You know how they viewed themselves? As slaves. They had been in bondage in Egypt. Generation after generation. Doing the work of other men. Being fed seeds of doubt that they would never be worthy. That they could never do anything of any significance. So now after they were freed from this bondage, they still chose to live in it. Oh, praise be to God who's delivered us from our bondage. That the chains are broken and we are free. It leads to the third point. Gossip and doubt spreads behind closed doors when around the wrong group of people. Gossip and doubt spreads behind closed doors when around the wrong group of people. Where are you seeing that in the scriptures? Let me show you. Deuteronomy chapter 1, 26 through 27. And it says, But you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God and refused to go in. It's talking about the promise. You complained in your tents and said, The Lord must hate us. That's why he has brought us here from Egypt to hand us over to the Amorites to be slaughtered. Doubt and negativity grew stronger in the tents of gossip. And that's the same thing that can happen to us. When we do not understand something, it's easy for us to have an opinion about that something when we are around people of a like mind. We choose not to challenge ourselves with people who have maybe made it through that struggle because it makes us and reminds us of where we are still struggling. So we would just go and get in that tent with someone of the same mindset and say, I'm just made like this. Well, no, you're not. Not according to God's word. You have been made to do great things. You have been made to do great things. You have been made to do great things. Our God does not work in the average. Our God works above average. Our God doesn't give grades of 97. He gives 100%. 100%. He does not use a red marker that, that sits there and tells you when you're failing or when you're doing good. All the red has been blood out, bled out on the cross of Calvary. That's the only red marker he needed, and his name was Jesus. And because you've placed your faith in God through Jesus Christ, you'll never have to be graded again. You are worthy. See, doubt and negativity grew stronger in the tents of gossip. This generation of Israelites never experienced God's blessing for them because of the doubt they had in themselves. And even more, the doubt in who God was. See, sometimes we doubt who our God is. Is he really the creator of the heavens and the earth? Is he really the beginning and the end? Is he really the one who came to save me from all of my sin struggles? Yes, he is. But does he really love me? Yes, he does. Well, I can't feel him, Paul. Well, there's times I can't feel him either. But that doesn't mean he's not there. He's your daddy, and he loves you, and he has a plan for you. When you seek him with your whole heart, 
So, what can we learn and apply to our lives from these passages? Three little things. Number one is that we grow in your faith of who God is and his leadership for you. That we don't want to make the same mistakes that the people before us made. So what we have to do is that we have to grow in our faith of who God is and what he has for us. Well, how do we do that? We do that through his word. We do that through association with other like-minded believers. We do that with people in our circle who has already been there before, who is depending on God's word to get them to the next spot. We have to grow in the body So we grow in our faith. And as we grow in our faith, we seem to be able to let go of the doubts. The doubts of who God is and who we are. Secondly, is we know that God has one plan. God has one plan. Everybody can say that. One plan. One plan. That is to rescue his people and to restore his promise. Amen? God has one plan to rescue his people and to restore his promise. Because he's promised you a life of love and peace and joy and gentleness and self-control. He's promised you millions and millions of years of living in his presence. And his purpose right now is to use you to share that. With a lost and a doubtful world. We live in a doubt-filled world. But praise be to God that we have the power that he has inside of us. Where we can walk into a circle and we can bring certainty to any doubtful situation. Not because of who we are, but because of who he is that lives inside of us. Amen. And the third thing is that you guard your hearts not to be enticed into negativity and lies about who you are and most importantly about who God is. See, we have to protect what comes into our minds and what we're watching and what we're hearing and who we let speak into our lives. Look, if there are men and women in your lives that aren't where you want to be in Christ, do not listen to them. Because there are people, if you don't believe me, look at Facebook. Everyone has an opinion. There's thousands of them. But there's one God. And there's one true word. And it's made up of 66 books. The Old Testament and the New Testament. And it is split in half because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And we live in the new covenant. Bless her heart. Barbara, will you grab me before I get some water? I make people choke all the time when I speak. It's up in the kitchen, baby. Go grab her a bottle of water. And I'm going to close it out here in just a second. See, we were not created to wander. But sin came into our lives. And it created confusion and fear, which left us in this wandering state. 
There is not one human being that is born on this earth that says, hey, I just want to be this person that's wandering aimlessly throughout the world with nothing in the, in, in, with no agendas, no plans. That's not who God is. See, the enemy that lives on this world, he's constantly whispering at you that you're not worthy, that you're, too, you're a slave, you're in bondage. He's wanting to kill, steal, and destroy the dream and what God has placed inside of you. God didn't make you to be a wanderer. He made you to be a warrior. He wants you to stand fast and look to him, marching forward to be able to stamp out darkness. And not because you can bring any light, it's because of the light that lives inside of you. Jesus paid that sin debt. And because he paid a sin debt, we can freely enter into God's presence. We don't have to have another man or woman to do it for us. We can just humble ourselves before the Lord. And he says, you, the one that somebody said never would be able to do anything. You, the one that said that, that you were done screwed up too many times. I pick you to be on my team. How cool is it when we're getting picked to be on teams? I asked Barbara one time. She said, I hated that. I always got picked last. <laughs> I'm here to tell you right now, I am so happy that somebody didn't pick Barbara before I got to her. Jesus gave her to me. And I have a secret weapon. Her name's Barbara Ann Crosby. Jesus takes the ones that the world rejects and says, watch this. Watch what I'll do. So stop wandering and go. We don't have to send out scouts. We just got to know if it's from Jesus. You do that through lining it up with his word, through prayer, and through hanging out with other believers. And I close with this one scripture of Matthew 28, 19. What does it say? Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it says on even further into that, and teaching them to follow my ways. But church, we've got to go. We've got to go. We've got to stop, we've got to stop wandering, but we've also got to stop living in our past mistakes. We can't live in the past and live for the future. No, don't forget your past. Don't forget the mistakes you've made. But give them over to God and say, God, use me. If you fall down, get back up again and start walking towards God again. The Spirit will guide you and lead you. He will hold you up when you're too weak. But we can't continue to live a life of hanging out in a building and saying that it's church if we're not witnessing to the lost people of this world. Because God said, go. Go. Where to, Paul? I don't know. Find somebody with a pulse. Well, what if they look scary? I don't know. Pull your shirt up and they'll start laughing. Like men, don't women don't do that. Good Lord, I'll get emails all week. But when somebody looks at me mean and I'm just, I just put on a dumb face like, hey, 
What do you want? You know Jesus? No. You want to? No. Okay. That's how hard it is. We don't tell people because we're afraid of our own identities getting blemished. Jesus said, go. Go and share life. We have the cure to certain death walking around with us, and we just have to go. Say, hey, I'm going to the promised land. You want to go with me? What is that? It's not Myrtle Beach. It's not my new $50,000 boat. That's all going to be gone. Now, I'm talking about eternity, brother. I'm talking about where you don't have to worry about any other thing. I'm talking about where there'll be no desires. There'll be no lust. There'll be no, there'll be no hurt. You want to come? Well, I ain't sure. Well, you want to walk out with me and hang out here until you decide if you are? Yeah, I guess. That's all we got to do as a church. We do that as a church. We see our communities transformed by the gospel. But if we hang out here and we talk about how bad this world is that we live in, we end up 80, 90, 100 years old. Iller than hell. I don't want that to be us. Will you go? Let us pray together. We love you, Father. We thank you for your word. We thank you for encouraging us through your word. We love you so much, Lord. And God, forgive me when I don't want to go, when my agendas are bigger than yours, when my fears are bigger than yours, when I have so much doubt that I can do anything, that I stand still and I get in my tent and gossip. God, I, I fall short every day, but thank you, Father God, for loving me through it. I pray over this church, Lord, that if we have any struggles in that, Lord God, you just continue to be patient with us, picking us back up and putting us back on the path again. We love you, Father. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.